jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay It is happening. Wow. Oh, oh Stacy, who is that? Who is that down in our in our coven basement? <laughs> Scratching on the ceiling. Oh my. Oh, don't mind what me. Oh, what a feeling. Is it Madame Blanc? Does she live after all? Oh, a girl could dream. <laughs> I miss Tanner at my best, you know. <laughs> That's a great place to be. Certainly. Absolutely. No complaints. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Anthony, it's the one and only Colin Drucker. Oh, my from- stars, Colin Drucker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I feel like I have I have uh, ascended the a lighthouse in Antonio Bay and found you both at a radio station uh, <laughs> casting into the fog. That's what I that's what I'm envisioning by <laughs> by by visiting the Gaylords of Darkness. Oh, Honestly, I love it. if you want to compare me at all to Stevie Wayne, I am fine with that. Flattery? <laughs> with Stevie Wayne, like, that's fine. Stevie yeah. Wayne. All right. That, that's a good start. Then we're good that's, to go. That's yeah. a good start. Yeah. Colin Drucker <laughs> Who? in the details. That's it's true. It's a, it's a podcast. It is. It is. It's a it podcast. Is. It's a lifestyle brand. It's an experience. <laughs> it's a mood. Yeah. It's a mood. Yeah. It's a Pinterest it's a, board. It is. But um, we thought, we thought, we, we, Anthony and I need to talk. Obviously, we have a Suspiria quota, but we decided, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go all out and just do another Suspiria episode and get it over with. This doesn't mean that we're not still going to mention Suspiria on every episode. However, you know, we're going to do this one and it's fully dedicated. And we thought, who better to have with us than someone who is all about the nuances and the details of like actress centered horror films and films in general oh well th- and that's thank Colin. you oh that is oh i thank you oh it's me oh it's me i am i am uh i am so honored because i mean obviously i know how what this movie means to you both and yeah it is it is just a celebration of women and being women being nuanced for two and a half hours. Like I'm, uh, I watching this again in preparation for this. I just, I was like, it's one thing to have seen it and to have listened to you both like queen out about it, but then like watching it again, <laughs> preparing to queen out about it on my own. I was like, this movie, this movie, this it's movie. doing something. <laughs> Just like it's doing so much. How did it happen? Like Alex West put it great the other, like a couple episodes back when she was like, what did we do to, to, to deserve this in our lives? You know, I don't know what I did, but I'm glad I did it. 
This yeah. movie just like watching it again for the not you know I mean I watch it on the regular pretty much <laughs> at least parts of it I'm kind of always watching it like it's every just, hour on the hour yeah <laughs> the clock strikes Suspiria yeah. so you, you just keep <laughs> and you keep accumulating TVs and streaming devices so you can keep playing it every hour yeah. on the hour it's like Minority Report now in my house Minority Report and I keep sprouting <laughs> sprouting baby arms everywhere <laughs> Transformation is almost complete. Wait, are you lay are you laying in like a pool of goo? Like I, in Minority Report? I am a pool of goo. <laughs> with sunglasses on. Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's a cute goo. <laughs> cute goo. <laughs> uh, the, the Jurassic Park crossover. I did the raptor screams. Are... Oh yes. I'm assuming they're an homage, you know? Uh, <laughs> it has to be. It yeah. has to be. Man, I just, but every, still watching this movie, I I feel like, haven't I thought of, haven't I picked it apart enough, and yet every time I go back, there's a little more meat on the carcass for me to just pick at, have a little snack. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a turkey. I don't even, mm. I, I don't even eat turkey, but you know. Well, no, because they're the devil. Have you seen that video of that turkey chasing that poor post office person? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. I had, I thought it was a goose, but you're right. It's a turkey. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like scream. Like she hides inside the cab of the, her car, like locks the doors. And then you see like the turkey head pop up on the other side of the window. That's right. And that's very much like my relationship with Suspiria. Are you the turkey or the frightened postal worker? Who can say? Or depends on the day. Yeah. yeah, it depends on the viewing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. I like, I know that I wanted to really get into it this time and like say smart things, but then I'm just like, man, I love this movie. It's so good. I, I love that in our brains when we had talked about doing, when we had justified doing this episode, it was to really an, analyze and unpack it. And then we've already dis- disintegrated into it's so good. <laughs> Anthony and I were talking about it. We were literally like, well, the first time it was mostly just 45 minutes of us going, I loved it. It was amazing. Remember that part? Remember the part when that happened and I loved it when it happened. (laughs) I was so happy. Well, I am I am all for if we're not going to have a synchronized swimming routine talking about Suspiria, just ride around in a baby pool of jello, loving on Suspiria. That works for me too. Uh, I had that same feeling watching it again. It was just, there were moments where it was like, oh yeah, I totally want to talk about that scene and I want to clean out on those little details. But then, you know, kind of watching the scene and thinking, okay, I'll, I'll take notes later. It was that same feeling, like so many different set pieces in this movie where the takeaway was just, God, I love this movie. God, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and that feeling that like every scene, every shot in the movie, like everything was thought out. Every detail was like yes. intricately figured out. Oh, and that's why, I mean, I, I anytime. Obviously, we all know I, I don't do very well with the bloggers and the haters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> complaining. Fuck them. Com- yeah, fuck them. Complaining about this movie. Uh, but one thing that even like people that might admit, like that try to bring themselves to admitting that they like Suspiria publicly on the social meds um, often say is like, oh, well, you know, it could have 
used a half hour trim or an hour trim. And I'm like, no, every single moment is so intentional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it being that long is part of the movie. Is it being a two and a half hour experience? Yeah, it's it's a goo that you must mo- moisten in. <laughs> you um, gotta moisten in that goo, baby. You gotta do it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Is it just me though, or does the movie go by faster every time you watch it? <laughs> it does because I specifically like the biggest complaint I think that people have is the length. And mostly they complain about the length because they think everything with Dr. Klemperer is a drag and should be cut out. And oh, so my God. I tend to <clears throat> I tend to focus on his scenes more to see, like, do you know, can I see where these people are coming from? And when I focus on his scenes, I come out of it saying, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I... Like, that's the thing is in, in this <laughs> in this film, like, I mean we've talked about it how much of an emotional heart he is but also yes. he he drives the plot forward and because this is a new Susie Banyan he's playing partially the part of the 1977 Susie Banyan by investigating the coven like Susie did all that shit in the original film and here we have this other character doing it <gasps> you are absolutely right because in the original Susie uh, or yeah in this one Susie doesn't give a shit she's just like yeah take me over that sounds cool I want to dance right this is a new <laughs> Susie and so they need someone to like an outsider to like investigate the coven like she went to see that psychologist in the first film and all this other stuff and here she's like I'm doing my thing so yeah it seems like i mean i i feel like this is probably part of the story of suspiria that there's this thing that happens somewhere in like i don't know the third act where she's never kind of like she's never the same sort of innocent doe-eyed uh jessica harper from 1977 but there is that level of like a little bit naive or like a little bit unsure but then at some point she starts something awakened like this has been awakening something in her and i just love when Susie completely transforms away from whatever the original Susie was to this like quietly confident woman who's yeah. who knows what all the next like moves in the chess game are before anybody else, you know? It's yeah. when she gets that coat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and puts I on mean, the gloves. <laughs> you know, when I go to Burlington Coat Factory and I find the right one for me, that's when I'm like, you know what? It is time to ascend and take my place. <laughs> Um, I guess I'm one of the three mothers. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Thanks, Burlington Coat Factory. Not an official sponsor of Gaylord. Um, But certainly more than great coats. Yeah. I feel like I feel like for Susie, yeah, the switch flips. Um, at it's is it the second dream sequence or it's when she wakes up from that dream sequence and she screams and um uh oh my god Sarah hears her but she screams I know who I am Mm -hmm. right yeah. Because she also starts, like, sending dreams back to Blanc. Like, the the, the dreams are all so, like, here's, all right, the, the, okay, I can't even use my words. I love this movie. <laughs> um, this last time, it just, I mean, I know I felt like it's so gay, but this time it was, like, gayer than ever for me watching this movie um <clears throat> the dreams that like the dream sequences are all about sex and they just kind of evolve from just sex to like sex plus viscera plus like raw body parts and then she starts sending images back to madame blanc she knows what's up susie's mm-hmm. in charge yeah and she never i feel like she never 
she never like shows it. I feel like until there's that one scene where like Susie and Blanc are basically having like a telepathic conversation that she eventually then starts uh-huh. speaking out loud. And that felt like a, like this very quiet reveal, like a sort of coming out of like, Oh no, I'm, I'm more than, I'm more than just some girl you're going to use. Like it, there was some, there was no big, great reveal, I think to Blanc, um, that she had someone special on her hands, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Not in, and that I should think, be. I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I was going to say special, not in terms of like the ceremony with Marcos and everything, but I think special in terms of like they're in love with each other. <laughs> like to yeah. me, it totally like oh. the, the chicken wing scene completely. Oh. And when Susie, yes. they take notice of each other the moment Susie walks into the building. When she's walking across that giant lobby and suddenly the camera like zooms in on her and she looks up to the one way mirror, the two way mirror that Madame Blanc is always standing behind. Like she knows she's back there. She knows she's back there. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of seeing this in the theater, one of my favorite parts was when she, Susie does her first audition and uh, the, the camera spins and she becomes aware that Blanc is in the room. She can feel a presence and it goes, and every time i saw that the audience like you could tell who the who the stands were in the audience because every like there would be like six gays that would just squeal like (laughs) specifically i love moments like there's a bunch of moments like that like where they have those almost like gonzo camera moves where it like zooms in real fast and it it's like i forget this is not made in the 70s because it's doing that so authentically and I, I love that it does that because it feels like um, like camera moves like that or that kind of like kind of quick zoom in. It reminds me of like an Italian 70s like trailer for like a like a Jallo movie. Yes. And it's, yeah. It could be so campy, but it's like in this totally heightened textured movie, it the the sort of campy roots of it make sense or it, it works or something. I don't know. Uh, but I'm always happy when it does one of those gonzo moments. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you dance the dance of another. <laughs> you know, I mean that's what yeah. I mean, that's what that's all about. Like I think it definitely has those moments of feeling. It's like German expressionism and Italian mm-hmm. horror. It's like yes. Fulci, and, Fulci and Fassbinder had a baby or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh God forbid! But yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm into it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not babysitting that kid ever. No. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, t- you know, thinking of when when is Susie not Susie anymore, and the eyes, right? The eye color mm-hmm. thing in Volk when they change their eyes, and you know what I realized this time is that at the beginning when Patricia is in the doctor's office and she's flipping out, and she says, "Oh, they took my hair, they took my urine, whatever, they took my eyes." Chloe, oh. Chloe Grace Moretz doesn't have brown eyes, but Patricia does. Huh. It's just oh. like, because it makes me think of the scene later with Olga before the infamous um, contortioning, um, beating the crap out of her scene. When when she starts, you know, when the mother of tears moment happens, is there some connection there to like that and then at some point taking their eyes? Like, I think I don't fully understand the mythology yet. I think the, the the their eyes turn brown when they're like the favorite. Like Patrizia was okay. the favorite and supposed to be the one that Marcos was going to take over. And then during the Volk performance, 
uh, Susie and Sarah switch eye color because Sarah's fallen out of favor and her eyes turn from brown to blue and Susie's turn from blue to brown. Wow. And isn't that, ex- that. isn't that expressly said in the screenplay or the, the like that like draft that you found that you sent me, Stacey? Yeah. Like, yeah. isn't there even I a mean, note? I mean, I noticed it beforehand. Whatever. You did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dear li- a, dear listeners, <laughs> Stacy brought this to my attention many times. And the first seven times that I didn't hear her, then finally on like, the eighth time, I go, wait, what are you talking about? They change eye color? And yeah. I never know. I, it wasn't until this last, well, the viewing before the last, that... I think, I don't know if it was because, like, how garish the makeup was that I was just focused on the makeup and everything else happening in that sequence. But, yeah, it, yeah they absolutely switch eyes. But in the screenplay, it says, like, there's something along the lines of, like, it's even, like, the the color of eyes that Blanc prefers because she is yeah, in love with her. Like, and... uh, uh, it's like Blanc's little fetish. And she's yeah, getting it says off her on fetish. It. And I noticed that they keep that in of, like, Blanc kind of getting off on the performance. Like she has her moments, and then Tanner looks at her like, "What are you doing? Not don't do that here." <laughs> and I, I had thought that she was just, you know, really like feeling the peace, but right. but then I realized she was feeling the peace when I read that in the screen. <laughs> she play. wanted to feel a couple of pieces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah but Susie's eyes are brown for the remainder of the film I really watched this time and they're oh it is for the remainder for the remainder of the film yeah I, see I'm not that good at paying attention so then you're saying Patricia also has them in the beginning yes I mean it's just a weird choice to give that character brown eyes when Chloe Grace Moretz doesn't have brown eyes like so it's that's that's definitely intention yeah on Luca's part god this guy I'm sorry, he's such a brilliant artist. I just, oh my god, I'm doing it now. I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> yeah. There's so many little cool. details. Like, there's so many little details like that that, you know. Like I said, keep picking at it, man. There's mm-hmm. always more to be found. Mm-hmm. Now, that moment you were talking about where she was, like, feeling it. You're talking about, like, the big performance, the big red ropes. Yes. Because yes. I love, because it, it almost felt like, there was an element of like stage mom of her like kind of doing the choreography yes. while watching him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it was like there was that element of like that that moment and that part of the dance, like just to kind of zone in on that. Uh, it was I was re-listening to your Suspiria episode before this because I wanted to sort of you know refresh my memory. But I was I was glad you both talked about how emotional this movie made you because there are so many moments where I was like, why am I choked up right now? Oh my and God. I feel like. The end of the dance when they're all like doing that sort of like synced up sort of heartbeat kind of movement with their hands. I was like just before uh, Sarah breaks her leg again, it just it was like it got overwhelming. Like it got emotionally overwhelming to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It still is for me. Like I don't it feels like I mean, it's casting a spell. It's certainly casting a spell on me. But it's like it's like why the fuck wasn't this movie nominated for sound design? Right. Like Yeah, every time they stamped on the floor, they right? They stamp on the floor and you can hear their costumes swishing and you can hear their skin sliding and slapping on the floor. You can hear their breathing and it's just like it's so all encompassing and so incredible. And I love that Luca like gives that performance time to shine on its own. Mm-hmm. He's Do you know really, what? He lets it breathe. It's like seven minutes long or something. 
Yeah. Do you know what was nominated for sound design, Stacey? Don't say it! I don't want to hear that <laughs> word! <laughs> God. Yeah, was but it the, the wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Glenn, the wife? <laughs> Glenn Close, nominated for sound design. <laughs> yeah, she finally won! <laughs> Yay! It was, uh, it was Stacey's favorite movie, A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah, I still haven't seen that. I, oh. There's no I, I sound mean, in it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was nominated. This was not worthy. Yeah, no. Yeah, a movie that had no sound does not deserve a sound design award because of the two moments of sound. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's why you're a guest on this show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have to vet everyone. So yeah. what did you think about The Quiet Place? <laughs> right. What do you think Just about Suspiria? And what do you think about A Quiet Place? <laughs> two questions. Yeah, How do you see yourself it. adding to this team? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blanc or Marcos? It's really what we're coming down <laughs> to here. That's really where it's at. I mean, yeah. that's the question, right? Like, I mean, don't yeah. we all want to be a Blanc, but we know we're actually Marcos? <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Like, like, I want to be the Mary. cool... Yeah, I want to be yeah. the cool artist, and yet I know I'm just, like, a fucking moist, hefty bag full of baby arms. Yeah. I know, right? I'm a Blanc and Ray Band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely... I'm definitely a son in Marcos. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a, a rising Vindigast and mm. a moon in. Um, well, depending on my mood, I'm either a moon in Tanner or a moon in Huller. Mm. But we'll figure oh. it out. Yeah. Oh, uh, Huller's the. Uh, Huller is. She's a. I feel like once you watch it two or three times, it's like, oh no, Huller is the one I want to be. She's. Oh. She's the one who has that line of like, um, when a woman tells you the truth, uh, yeah. you don't get yes. me, right? Like, I want oh, that just line. Her scream cackle. And yep. And then, and back to folk when they're doing folk and um, they're starting it. And I just love her like shanty hobble run as she <laughs> opens she that door and closes slips, it. When she kind yeah. of slips the floor. It reminded me of, if you've seen Harold and Maud, obviously. Oh, yeah. oh Ruth Gordon. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. when Sunshine Doré is like walking oh. to the house and she like twists ah. her ankle and they keep it in, it's so good. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Sunshine Doré. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah, Vendigast. Vendigast is having the time of her life, mm. like collecting hair, collecting pee, singing her songs, doing her thing. Doing that also, thing with her lips, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the bunched lips thing. Don't yeah. worry about the white Susie. <laughs> <laughs> when they, oh, when they cut to her um, cleaning up the viscera the next morning after the ritual, and she's yeah. just singing and going back and forth, just washing the blood everywhere, like full on uh, whistle while I work style like it was yeah. so good yeah. oh my god yeah yeah i just used to the... want to be dj witch because she doesn't really do very... she doesn't do much heavy lifting but she gets mm. just she plays the music and shit but now i'm like i'm vendigast all the way man yeah yeah, yeah. and vendigast like i really i really appreciate i mean she is and to some extent she's one of the many mothers in this film as the house mother um and she I really love how much she cares about her girls. 
um like all the way down to when it's time to clean up on aisle olga and (laughs) and she's very like emotionally distraught over it like she's very you know she even says like please don't hurt her yeah the other witches kind of take some like miss balfour has that crazy smile on her face as she stabs her with the hooks and but uh, miss vindegast is really like really here for the dancers and and wants to honor them more so than like helena marcos which is why i think she voted for blanc because she didn't want to see her girls continue to have to go through this yeah yeah, it's like that. there's that gray area that these aren't all just like bad witches that it's like, well, they're just they're running a coven and there's some business to be done. And uh, much like you got to, you know, you got to butcher the chicken to have the chicken dinner. You've got to, you know, take one of these dancers to keep Mother Marcos alive. Like, I yeah. think, you know, there's there's kind of like this is just the nature of the business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's that's Blanc's folly is that Blanc is still willing to work in that system. And to support mm-hmm. it because people voted and that's what's right. That's how you do things. Until yeah. until, you know, Ocasio Cortez comes along and, is- <laughs> and explodes everyone's head. Yeah. Explodes everyone's heads. Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask you that because obviously, I mean, I don't think the movie was made with this like allegory in mind, but it's like, is is this kind of um go along with the system to get along mother Blanc wearing the white suit. Is that Hillary Clinton? And is this like ineffectual blob mother Marcos? And is of course, uh, Susie, the Ocasio Cortez of the dance Academy. And I think, uh, the answer to that question for me is yes. Oh, oh absolutely. That's yeah. Absolutely how I read it. I mean, Blanc is 100% Hillary Clinton. Like she is the, she is the progressive leader that, um means well but is still operating by the old playbook you know Mm -hmm. exactly yeah um and that's that's why things happen to her but that's also why she still we still get some hope for her in the end is like well you're never gonna be able to run again but thanks for something (laughs) i I appreciate you 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 still have a somewhat functioning nervous system yeah we'll get your head back in place you can go over some walks in the woods write a book and call it a day yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need the new blood with a new chest vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chest yeah. vaginas in 2019. It's trending. <laughs> Check Instagram. Hashtag baby. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of like Vendigas caring for the girls, one thing I do appreciate is that like it does, the movie versus especially the original Suspiria really it feels like a coven like it's a group of women doing this and even amongst the dancers it's like Susie comes in and is the instant new favorite she's the lead of the dance all this other stuff and no one resents her for that which I really yeah. love there's no competition there's no mean girl in it oh my god thank you like mm-hmm. I love that yeah, there's no one telling them that the names that start with S are girl names of snakes. There's no, there's that girl isn't <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Although somebody, happy for her. I will, I will mount an effort to CGI Judy from Sleepaway Camp into this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, like that, that, that scene where they, where they first are introducing Susie to all the dancers when, um, in in class, right, and. When they're like, oh, Susie, is there anything you'd like to say? And Susie is kind of lost for words and she's just sort of giggling and the girls giggle with her. Like, mm. I think the, for the first couple of times, and actually I sort of experience, I think I'm like a goldfish with this movie. Like my brain reformats itself every time I watch it. So I'm always surprised by the things that happen. 
<laughs> but but I always expect uh, in that sequence when they're meeting Susie and she's waiting for something to say that like somebody is gonna give her an eye or like give offer some disdain for her as like this yeah. newcomer or an American or you know why are you dressed like a like Amish you know couture model like <laughs> uh, and that just it, yeah. there's no there's no problem into in, integrating and incorporating this new woman into the a, a, academy. Right. And I don't know if that's because it, it like it literally is a movie about women and stars almost exclusively women and is made by like a queer director. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if anything if that has to do with anything, but I feel like if David Gordon Green actually had directed <laughs> this You know what I mean? Like I think you would have had lesser characters like that. Like typical Listen up, bitches. The name is how girls act, right? Like (laughs) one of the girls always hates the other girls. You know? Someone tells Susie that her problem is that she's flat as a board and needs a screw. Like at some point, yeah. See, when you put it that way, I don't right. hate it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, and if it's Judy, I love yeah, it. Judy, yeah. Judy and Meg transcend. <laughs> oh, Judy and Meg in Suspiria. This is the crossover <laughs> I'm here for. <laughs> Luca, they're, if you're thinking like, about it. They're yeah. at the American Offshoot <laughs> yeah. Academy. Yeah. Yeah, the American yeah. Academy is just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> when Tom's group uh, wanted to like expand and franchise out <laughs> but now it's just like an old arthur murray somewhere in a <laughs> just i mean that's what i want to see is like the suspiria where the dance academy is just like fledgling and like yeah. they're that, well, and like honestly, they have re- the i mean i guess this one is too the yeah <laughs> yeah the first one where it's like ballet ballet pass out ballet, yeah. ballet pass out. lift your leg and lift your leg and lift your leg and lie down for a nap <laughs> hey you broke into my senior fitness tapes i see <laughs> It's some jazzercise shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like physical therapy at best. Like, it's just really just leg lifts. And, you know. <laughs> ah, I love it. Man. Uh, the- Hmm? Oh, go ahead. I was, was going to say, just speaking of the, the original movie, I was just thinking, uh, watching this, that, you know, the whole idea that the original Suspiria is kind of based on this, like, myth or this kind of childhood story of Daria Nicolodi's and I feel like the 1977 version is the myth that this version is based on where there's some sense of it informing the story but it is its entirely own self Mm -hmm. that like has this tie like these like loose ties back to the story of this movie from the 70s about witches you know Hmm. I think so I agree with that yeah, it's, it's, I, it's its own. Like the first movie is so like take is is a fairy tale, you know. It's a myth, and so it it totally makes sense that this one is just kind of grounding it in reality and building on it. Yeah, yeah, it makes me think of Susie talking about the importance of being on the ground and <clears throat> not wanting to get in the air during the dance. And I feel like that's what this version is doing in some ways is like grounding Suspiria in the reality of 1977 Berlin and like the reality of being a Mennonite, you know, and like these like totally fantastical things and then these totally real things that almost don't seem to like live in the same world. Like when they cut to like Zo- like Susie's home life, I feel like it's like a different century, but it's like, no, this is all concurrent. And I think that um, 
bringing this crazy story of these witches in Berlin to that kind of world where there's this like, you know, hostage takeover happening at the same time. Uh, it's, I kind of love it because it's like, oh, this could really happen, I guess, in a way. It's like Rosemary's Baby. This could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one moment that is quietly kind of terrifying to me is when Olga's having her temper tantrum and she's going to leave and she calls them witches and then mm. Tanner starts laughing. Oh, that, lo- that l- laugh. Yeah. That <laughs> laugh. It's yeah. so good. It, which is like oh. partially to blow it off because it's such a ridiculous idea, but it's also partially like, girl, you don't know the half of it. Like, yeah. it's just, there's just such a like power in that laugh. That it's... Oh, and there's, there's darkness in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Tanner, you know, Tanner is um, granted life and gets to gets to survive the bloodbath at the end but um you know she was marcos's caretaker so like she's very acquainted with the dark side of of their magic and mm-hmm. um the dark side of the three mothers um yeah, yeah. and it is dark like that's the thing <laughs> like, <laughs> you know as much as <clears throat> i love them all and they're all my cool moms like they do some <laughs> shit you know <laughs> Oh, they nope. fucking rip out intestines and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I love it. I love it so much. I know when they have, honestly, when they have the sequences, just kind of of that note of like these these moms when they have that the dinner sequence, like at the at the bar, and I guess there's two of them, but I guess the second one when they're all kind of drinking and singing, uh, there's like a couple moments where it's like, are these women creepy? Like, are these witches creepy? Should these dancers be nervous beyond? The you know other things they should be nervous about like oh like, their souls being sucked out yeah like some some vague me too with their students happening yeah some weird <laughs> hair petting that was just like a little uncomfortable yeah. it, you I think I think it, it is it who is that that's happened is it the really tall Charlotte Catherine what's her that's really tall Carolyn? dancer Carolyn Carolyn mm-hmm. is that isn't it her and like Tanner or is it Vindigas one of them is yeah there's like the head moving in really close and you can see it on her face that like she's sort of like kind of what what's happening right now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they're putting them all. They're putting all the girls under the spell so that the Sabbath can take place. So they dance and they don't question anything. Yeah. And then that's why they don't have any memory of it the next day. They, oh, that makes sense. They yeah. literally roofied them. Yeah, they like, yeah. roofied them with their fingers. Well, wow, wow Stacy. <laughs> I told you it was gay. Wow. <laughs> she roofied me without fingers. Oh no. <laughs> but speaking of fingers and making that joke, I did want to make a <laughs> like seriously. That like sorry. how hands are so important, especially to like lesbian fiction and lesbian cinema and all of that. In more than the obvious crude way. But it's such what? a it's, what it's obvious like... crude way. I don't get it. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> just kidding. I've seen Bound. <laughs> yeah. You've seen Seed of Chucky. You know. What yeah. Gina Gershon is fingering me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a way. Like you think about something like Carol, obviously, um, where it's like women were navigating these unspoken emotions through their hands and by touching each other and by paying attention to each other's hands and all of this and i think it's very telling that Susie wants to be the hands of the company i'm just saying i'm just Mm. putting it out there oh and when she was dancing the first time that's she even says it felt like how it would feel to fuck Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, and doesn't uh, Blanc say like to fuck to fuck a man? She's like, no, more like an animal. Yeah, like she, yeah. she removes it from like that sort of heteronormative idea, mm-hmm. uh, and with like a confidence that makes me think at this point, I'm assuming Susie has not had sex. Like we're seeing a virgin talk about understanding of sex, but then the way she talks about it, it's like. I mean, it's like okay, well, that's Dakota Johnson. Like, that's the that's the daughter of Don Johnson and Melly Griffith. There, you know? well, there's also the flashback shot of young Susie in the closet with her hand between her legs. Oh, when her I, mother opens mm-hmm. up the closet door and Susie's on the floor and her sister is up on the shelf. Susie's sister, which I noticed this time, is really fucking front and center in the whole opening sequence. At the- her twin sister, yeah. Wait, her sister was in the closet with her? Yeah, the first there's a shot of the shelf and there's a little girl lying up there. And then there's a, the mother's like, Whoa! and then there's a shot of Susie oh, on the floor. And then she gets out the iron and then, it, yeah. And burns her hand. Yeah. Wow. I just, I, I didn't realize the sister was in there for that. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> n- note that she's in a closet. Mm. <laughs> mm. You're not the it's only deep. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, Stacey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. Oh man, it's so good. What, what is up with her sister? So, for people that haven't heard us talk about this, I don't know if this. I don't even think we've maybe have talked feel, about this on the podcast. I didn't know it the first time I saw it. I feel like it's an unofficial tidbit of information. Do you want to explain it? Well, Susie has a twin sister who has stayed at home, obviously, and she is the one in the beginning, the first time you see the inside of the farmhouse where the girls are washing the dying mother. It's the girl who, she's pregnant, and she's in pink. And you see her face a little bit, kind of in a blur, and if you know it's Dakota Johnson, then you realize it's Dakota Johnson. But she is like center frame at times, like foreground center frame several times. But it's not revealed in the film unless you want to count when Susie says, I've only ever slept in a bed with my sister. Oh, you are just putting connective threads here that I hadn't even... (laughs) I've got a map on the wall with red string everywhere! (laughs) Which pins? And it it doubles as your uh, dance outfit, too. Yeah, take down. I twirl around. (laughs) It's all good. See, that's what I mean, though. There's so so many little things to notice. And... And and Luca said in an interview, like he, I think that's how we clued into it that originally those scene, there were more scenes with the sister, and you actually see her and maybe hear from her, um, but ultimately he just deleted it and and took that those sequences out all together, except for the the glimpses we see of her. Yeah, um, and and which, then that was that was the point. I think Anthony, I threw it by you once. Was like. What I mean, obviously, Susie's been drawn to Berlin and to Blanc since she was a child. But did she have any kind of powers from the get-go? And how could it, how could it be? And the argument, I think, for that is in the clue of, like, if this, it does make you feel a little conspiracy theory crazy. I'm like, (laughs) uh, maybe the Todd's Academy is in the basement of Comet Pizza. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you start to feel a little bit like that. And yeah. Hillary's down there. Hillary's Absolutely. down there. Alex Jones. <laughs> I start to feel a little bit like that. But there's the during the dream sequence, which Anthony, you noticed last time after I was like, did you notice this? When the hand in blood makes an A on the wall and somebody whispers Hester. Right. Oh, I was wondering what that blood was. You two are so good at this movie. That yes, <laughs> yes. We have a lot of time on our hands. Yeah, I, it's, it's all I think about. So you know, you're, you're using that time so well. I was. I remember that moment, and I was. I think I was more focused. I was so proud of myself because I caught that that nod to the original Suspiria with the doll head hanging through the glass, and I was like, I was doing that. Oh, that's from the original movie. They did it. That I didn't even like question. My was so thank you and what an interesting reference to make um in a movie about germany in the in the german autumn <laughs> they right. make, yeah. uh, well, nathaniel also, hawthorne reference well it's also about puritan values if you tie it exactly. into susie's background you know it's like and her mother saying that susie is the sin she smeared on the world it's everything it was oh. was susie and her sister were they illegitimate children and did that mm. shame and guilt feed Susie from a young age to make her at least more prone to everything that comes after? And I mean, why else would her mother resent her so much? It's not because she caught her masturbating in a closet with her sister. Like, right, and caught her I, like not, not doing her homework. You know? Yeah, I think it makes sense that there's some internalized like self-hate that she's projecting onto her daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she says it's like it's her sin that she smeared on the world. Yes. So it's like it's something she did before. And Susie's the result of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's very it, it's I mean, very Blanc, very Mrs. White, very Carrie's mother of like, you know, I of of you're the sin I committed. Uh, and I liked the, it. And I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> But then, uh, then, then you go in deeper and you're like, so what? what's the, is the, see, that's the thing too. I'm going to, all right, one word at a time, Stacey. <laughs> the red string's not going anywhere. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> <One word at laughs> <a time. laughs> but without being, I mean, if we assume that everything in this movie is completely intentional, the fact that the same actress plays Susie mother, Susie's mother and plays death at the end, mm -hmm. summoned by Susie. I don't know what's there, you know. Mm. Yeah, because you wouldn't, you don't have to do that. Like, it's not like we would be, we would, we would, we could, they could get away with having two different actresses and we wouldn't notice. Right. Uh, they didn't have to like condense them for budget to have, oh, hey, now that you're done playing the dead mom, could you now play death? I, I mean, I think, I don't know, that's a good question of what, uh, I sort of the idea that like what brought there's that sort of expression that mothers use of like I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it like I feel oh. like that's mm -hmm. there's a bit of that you know mm -hmm. a mother is a woman who can take the place of all others but whose place no yes. oh I need yes. I need that needle point in my house <laughs> my ultimate goal in this life is to have that prop and then to have the painting that Tilda's partner made of her Ugh. and marcos together that gross ass painting oh. with the that organic frame so disgusting that frame all of his work so is like gross. that too oh really yeah he makes like disgusting bodily like frames and shit like Ew. that oh. and Ugh. of course tilda was like i want to date you so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm glad they found each other yeah. honestly <laughs> but yeah I, I am i am i am clueless about yeah the, i mean 
is it is does the mother does she does she sign her mom up and and recruit her to the cause and turn her into death in the process of killing her i don't know Mm. i'm curious about that i mean and still i'm still trying to figure out like is death actually darkness like is she um the mother of darkness and is does does the mother of tears show up you know in that in the sequence with mrs griffith like right i want to know i just want to know more about the mythology i want to know if those are nods to the originals or is it like an actual part of this new mythology because it's um what's her name pavla that makes olga start crying when she's Mm -hmm. leaving um and then griffith start griffith is the one i can't fucking figure out really she's so i love her i mean i love her she's glasses she's the owl woman yeah Oh, is she the one who, who kills herself? The one who kills herself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's the, she, the nerdy witch. Yeah. She's always hiding behind railings and then like covertly <laughs> watching and running yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. she is if you're going to talk about the political allegory, is she like the person who just is still hands off even with like the stakes that are so high currently oh she's the jill stein voter she's the the one i think she's the one who's like they're all the same anyway i'm not even gonna vote yeah she didn't even want to vote you know but then ultimately she just like flippantly makes a decision after they ask her who what who led the vote was it it was Tanner. Was it Tanner? Okay, that's Tanner. that's what I that's what I thought. I was trying to place the voice, but I think the first four times I saw this movie, um, I was focused on acquainting myself with each witch and what their name was, and then how they voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that sequence of the Tom York, that like kind of jazzy song that comes on like on the radio and you see all the witches (laughs) prepping in the kitchen before Mm -hmm. and it sort of turns into that last supper image of them all sitting at the table but you get that you get that of like miss griffith how do you vote and she hesitates and then she finally just says marcos yeah she doesn't Mm -hmm. even she's like let's like we've all already voted we're good we're done yeah and she spends the rest of the movie until she ends her life, like grief stricken by what, and by realizing that she's subjecting another young woman mm-hmm. uh, to this process yeah. um, because of what she because of what she flippantly did. When ultimately, like um, you know, if if Tanner voted for Marcos, and then uh, what did Marcos did Marcos vote? There was like it seemed yeah. like if Griffith hadn't mm-hmm. voted that way, it could have switched just a little. Even though it was if she didn't vote over. that way, and if Blanc didn't abstain, yes, that's it. Right, right. Then they could have. But there's also like, see, it's another thing where it's like, is this just too much red string coincidence? But when Griffith <laughs> like kills herself, wh- like she dies, and Sarah wakes up and immediately starts investigating the building. Oh. Well, and I mean, maybe there mm. is something there because Griffith is it. She is a sensitive witch, I think, in terms yeah. of the things transfer to her, and she can transfer things. Hence the tears, right? Yeah, like was she like warning? Because it seemed like at that point, there's there's this thing of like, uh, first it's it's Patricia, then it's Olga, then it's Sarah, then it's Susie. Of like, who gets deeper into the web, and who gets like, and I don't know, kind of like how they make these connections or how they can kind of like develop whatever these psychic connections or these just like ethereal understandings of what these people are doing. But it seems like there's some correlation where like the more you get involved, like the deeper you get, the more deeper we get involved with you, Mm -hmm. you know, that like that Sarah was involving herself more and 
I don't know. Like, there's just there's. I I don't think I quite understand how they make these connections with these girls, but there's this grooming that I think that happens that develops it. And I feel like either they have to groom these dancers to kind of like become vulnerable to like their powers, or these girls have to get more involved in the world of the witches to get more like exposed to it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of art and dancing and everything, right, is like breaking yourself down, I think, and mm-hmm. making yourself super vulnerable. Like, I think it's very telling that it's all dance mm. versus, I don't know, it'd be really boring if it was like a painting academy or something. Welcome to the Marcos de Vry Institute of Technology. <laughs> Blanc is just like coming as they're doing happy trees. Yeah. Boot up your dream weaver program. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man alive. There's, I mean, I have pages and pages. There's just so much. You- I have a. Oh, sorry, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say, Stacy is Patricia's notebook at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, just oh, eat my cunt on a plate, you know? <laughs> Can you get a needle point of that? I mean, that's just... <laughs> so I had taken notes of kind of, you know... Uh, Again, having now watched this a few times, like I don't want to change the casting, but it was kind of like if there was alternate casting and not necessarily for 2018, like I can't I can't limit myself to, you know, actresses who'd be relevant today. Um, But I'm curious before I go into my little list, if there is since you two are both, you know, such uh, loyalists of Suspiria, (laughs) if you could recast any of these roles, if anything, to see what that actor would do in that role, is there anyone you'd love to see in the world of Suspiria? Oh my gosh. Oh, fucking shit. Fuck, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's never never occurred to me. Wow. (laughs) Huh. I think I'm in too deep. I mean, yeah, you know, I would be interested in seeing a different Patricia, maybe. Um, I love Chloe Grace Moritz. I think she's the weak link, as far as acting goes. If there's a weak Mm. link, I think she, I mean, I think think the thing with her, and my, oh God, now I'm going into my saga of my life with Chloe Grace Moritz. Um, I appreciated her really early on, like, kick-ass era. Mm -hmm. And then she Mm -hmm. sort of became Chloe Grace Moritz, teenage actor. Um, yes. And so I, I still really like her, but I don't know. There's something about her where I, I don't really see her as an actor anymore. I just see her as Chloe Grace Moritz. I think f- for me, I can see her acting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah, I could just, I could see her doing the work somehow. And it's, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm never into it. it totally. It's like seeing a high school production of like a very serious play. And I feel like 16 year olds don't have pathos, but they're performing pathos and I'm like not buying it. (laughs) And she has a bit of that quality of like, I I just feel like you're doing night mother, but you're 18. Like you just don't know. And so, (laughs) you know, 
And on this on this word, I'm take a step a step forward. And on this word, I'm gonna put my hand to my eyebrow. It's like it's all mapped right. out. That's funny. Actually. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. That said, I still now I feel like a tra- and maybe this is the loyalist in me because then I'm thinking back to that first scene and like she has to set the tone for the whole movie in that first scene. Yeah. And her mm. her choices and her her like sort of frenetic um, crazed uh, flitting about the room and her singing like I actually thought that was all pretty well done. But I think I think maybe it's mainly when she's like blue and bloated at the end, like when they find her in the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's bloated, Chloe Grace Moritz. First, right. yeah. yeah. And that perform that aspect of the performance wasn't as solid for me. So maybe I- I'm yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think there's even, I can break it down to even more of a moment is like when Sarah leaves and then Patrizia just kind of like rolls back over. She's like, ah, yeah. like, <laughs> like goes back to sleep. Like I wish they had just cut that or she yeah. had just like collapsed. But mm-hmm. but the fact that she like rolls back over, it's like, well, don't bother me, but I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah, back, back to my slab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like someone woke up the family dog, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you too. And goes back to sleep. Yeah, Colin, who are who are some of your uh, 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 fantasy football casting choices? <laughs> My fantasy casting. Um, I mean, a lot of these, it's like it's as if they were age appropriate at the time. So we're gonna time is a concept here, and we're gonna okay. just tear it apart. Oh, great. Um, but to start with, but with Patricia or Patrizia, I would love to see like sandy dennis as patricia like being flitty and and nuanced and mannered for six minutes you know wow um and then like sandy dennis and like bloated old like zombie makeup is just kind of like a a fantasy of mine um um, i think what kind of inspired this is i would love to have seen i mean miss tanner i love miss tanner and i thought watching this again i really appreciated the performance oh but i would love to yeah, her face is like there's always like this I don't trust her eyes, but like she's got this big old smile. It's like this great dichotomy. Yeah. But I'd love to see like Eileen Brennan in that role. Oh my you know? god. Wow. Right? I am shitting the bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> um oh I also feel like god. because this Oh, we'll stay on Eileen Brennan for a second. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, uh, keep going. No, please. No, I, I could spend all day on Eileen Brennan. Please. Now um, I'm just imagining, uh, now I'm just imagining Miss Peacock in, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look what happened to Olga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, because she looks like her, I also could see like Marsha Gay Harden as Miss Tanner. Cause it's like, Oh, mm. Oh yeah. It's like the, the European Marsha Gay Harden. Um, I cornered now, her at DragCon last year. <laughs> Marsha Gay Harden was at DragCon? Yeah, yeah. Jason Jason walks up to us at our booth, at our queer horror booth, and he goes, Marsha Gay Harden's here. And I said, where? Take me to her. So he leads me through the vending hall, and I just, I, I, I zero in and I see her, and I just followed her until she came to a stop. And she was with Calpurnia Adams, who I just done a show with. So I go, Calpurnia, it's so good to see you. And then I, and then I immediately go, Marsha, I'm the biggest fan. It's so nice to meet you. I've seen the Miss ten thousand times. <laughs> and she said, she goes, well, you know, when I lived in the Bronx, people, uh, my neighbors, anytime they saw me out, would scream, "Give me the boy!" at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which out of context is a really tricky situation. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Marsha Gay Harden story. Keep going. Wow. The fact that you have one is incredible. I don't have a Marsha Gay Harden story. One, yeah. one day you both will. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that for you. <laughs> um, so very quickly, the, the other few that I wrote down was like, if if I, I don't think you could recast Blanc as anyone else other than Tilda Swinton. Yeah. But I think if you had to and you could play with the concept of time i'd love to see either faye dunaway or uma thurman do that role and just oh, see what they do shit and goddamn, yeah right mm. just to know what would happen you know yeah um also like and then i want to see uma get a role like this at some point right oh, nice. did you see <laughs> did you see nymphomania no but i wanted no. to see it exclusively for her but i'm kind of uh, lars von Trier and i have a weird thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you did. Stacey, did you see Nymphomaniac? No. Oh, I think fast forward through all of the like CGI, Shia LaBeouf sex, and all that stuff, and all of the other unpleasantries of Nymphomaniac. Because I think Uma Thurman is only in like one condensed, like 20 minute or like 11 minute, some number segment of the movie. And it's just like, it's it's ferocious. That's, it's really incredible. I heard she was yeah. magic in it. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. For her. Um, and, and then just to wrap it up, just Susie, re- you know, if you were to recast, I'd love to see, obviously, Jennifer Connelly because she's been, a, you know, an, an Argento heroine. Um, and then I think, oh, I wrote down Shelley Duvall as Sarah, but who knows? Um, <laughs> um, uh, Shelley Duvall as the entire Academy. Yeah, everybody is Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Or like Shelley Duvall as the Academy itself. Like she like pops up at a clock and she's like... <laughs> Good morning. I'm Shelley Duvall. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, Mia Goth is, has a real Shelley Duvall quality about her. She's yes. Mia Goth is fantastic. She's fucking like she's. The more I watch this, the more she becomes the superstar of this movie for me. My mm. my favorite thing about her is how like, uh, and I I don't I mean this and like I mean this with sheer admiration and respect and like not to like make mock fun of any part of her physicality or anything, but um. I love how when she speaks, it's she's like she kind of like trips over her teeth as she speaks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else mm-hmm. to put it. I just yeah. I love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does a lot of the heavy lifting in this film, and she's always kind of. I mean, it's a Tilda Swinton show for sure, and Dakota Johnson. Mm. And I just think I don't know. I just want to give Mia Goth some credit because she's listen. So I would charming. not buy a. I would not buy a scene from most people where they have to walk away from a delicious looking piece of cake. <laughs> and and she sells it. She sells that moment. Yeah, it was the hardest moment of her career. Yeah. What about um, what about uh, what about Klimperer, Joseph Klimperer? Like, who can we see an uh, a cis man playing this role? And like, ooh. who would it be? And would it work played by a man? Could is Burgess Meredith available? I mean, I don't um, know. <laughs> Fred Gwynn as Judd Crandall as Doctor Klimperer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's delusion, you see. <laughs> so Don't want to go back there, Sarah. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> I could see like Peter O'Toole doing this role. Like I feel like Tilda was oh. doing Peter O'Toole drag. Mm. You know? Yeah, she absolutely was. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. But like, would the character does? I mean, the it the character has to be a woman, right? Or to be played oh. by a woman, I think. I think so. Yeah, I uh, I feel like the the conceit of having Klemper played by a woman, I feel like kind of 
in it's like a sum of its parts like it becomes an element of like this movie that is all about women that like to not have that central role played by a woman kind of undermines the point the rest of the movie's making. Mm-hmm. And by having that role played by a woman, it emphasizes the point the movie's making. So it's it's not just stunt casting. It definitely like changes the movie in some way. And I, th- I think what's really important with Klimperer and like why I get so aggravated by people who are like, why is this, why is, why is the old man in it? Why is so much focus <laughs> on him? Um, it's like that by having Tilda play him too, he becomes more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And Klimper mm-hmm. has to be a sympathetic character because we have to be, we have to, you know, we have to laugh alongside with Huller and kind of smile with what she says when she's screaming at him about like, oh, you had plenty of time to get your wife out of Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, you don't believe girls when they tell you the truth. You you say they're delusional and all that. Like, we are, we have to simultaneously be with her but also we have to have some inkling of sympathy for him and for what he's experiencing and for his loss and the reality of his loss, which I think is the most um, tangible thing you can feel coming out of this movie mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is the loss of Anka Meyer, which to me is, is like the whole emotional fulcrum of the thing. Yeah. I don't think that like that last scene <clears throat> where Susie is really kind of absolving him of of uh, what is it the term the these women who have undone you yeah. um and absolving of those memories and, and she's telling the story of what actually happened to Anka that I I I think that like the emotional response that Tilda as a performer is is giving and, and is expressing as as this character I don't know if I think I don't know if I believe that a man can do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know if a man can find those there's something so nuanced about the grief that that uh, Klemper is feeling and that Tilda's performing that I just, I don't know. I, I don't really trust a man to portray that as much as I trust a, an actress to portray yeah, that. It's not showy, even though, you know, she breaks down or he breaks down crying, you know, and like in, in a mess, but it's not showy at all. Yeah. And it's like, you yeah. run the risk of, you know, I mean, it's a little extreme, but Nicolas Cage in the bathroom and Mandy, <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, ah, ah. Yeah. Like, hey, that's, that's the one part I actually liked of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's a difference between like a man doing a manly breakdown, you know, and I think. What yes. Tilda did. Yeah. Yeah. There's that thing of like, oh, look, here's a, here's an older man crying and it becomes watching that versus actually seeing what's happening in the scene. Right. Yeah. And and I think and to that same end of like the sympathy is like I think a lot of people uh, I'm interested to see how you both read this but like a lot of people that I've talked to have read her line reading of um, uh, we need shame and guilt um, but we don't need yours like I've, mm. I've heard a lot of people read that as like a burn almost where it's like she's saying we don't like your guilt isn't good enough or your shame isn't good enough but I take it as like. Um, you know, there are people who committed worse atrocities at the time and who, who were more aware of what was going on. And um, we, we need their guilt and the national consciousness needs that guilt. But you, like now is the time for your forgiveness or to, there's a time for you to breathe kind of. I, th- I think with that, I think I agree with you to an extent, but I think it's also us falling under a love spell with Mother Suspiriorum, 
Because Mm -hmm. let's not forget, she's one of the three mothers. And so as much as she's kind of doing him a kindness by absolving him of his guilt, she's also, it's also self-serving to kind of erase all traces of it. And she... It protects them. It protects them. Mm. And like she, I think it's some wonderful acting from Dakota Johnson, but she draws that story out. She lets those moments linger with him Mm -hmm. before she moves on to the next one. You know, like each mm-hmm. beat of it, she kind of like lets it sink in with him a little bit. So there's some yeah judgment, but there it's a cautious sort of empathic judgment. I think it's just a little bit of both. I think it can be read either way. But yeah. I like the I like the idea of it as a burn, like because that's yeah. his whole thing. Is I'm not you know am like you know that's his whole protest during the Sabbath. Yeah. Is that he's not guilty, thought... but quietly, like he was. I'm not saying like the Nazis killed his wife, but maybe she would have lived if he had listened to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's yeah. I'm like not wanting to accept that, but like you're right. Like he does have some responsibility here, and like they, Miss Huller is right when she's like, you know, you could have gotten your wife out of here a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think with Susie say like that line of like, we need guilt and shame doctor, but we don't need yours. Like that's certainly, that's the line that just like breaks me every time because I think it's, I I think it's like, it is a a certain absolution or forgiveness without maybe it's serving her. And it's not saying that he's innocent. It's saying that like, okay, you've carried this burden long enough. And I, I kind of think the way that she draws out that story, I think you could totally see it as like really like, you know, grinding the salt in the wound a little bit of like, here's what actually ended up happening. But I also took it as like, before I kind of erase your mind completely, let you finally have the full truth. You never really knew what happened. Now you have the full story and now it's over. And there was something, it was like, it was similar to how she grants Olga and Sarah death. Like Mm. I think that she was kind of granting a closure for him as well. And, And in my mind, it's like, oh, he dies within a few weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like for, in terms of his story, like he has been searching for Anka or for evidence of what happened to her ever since he did that. And I think he's aware um, that like of what Holler tells him that he could have saved her if he had done things differently. Uh, and so he mm-hmm. has been looking to atone for that his whole, the entire remainder of his life. Um, and I think you feel that like when she, or when he thinks the, um, the police officer and like kind of does yeah. that has that emotional moment on the stairs and hits his chest and then keeps moving down the stairs. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it, Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Cause I just am getting so emotional. Thinking it's about Meyer now. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like ultimately like, you know, Klimper, we, we, Klimper is a stand in for us for the, for modern Americans or audience members that are living through a different sort of political upheaval, you know, where mm. there's this idea of like, oh, well, why didn't you do more? Why didn't the Germans in 1933, 1928, why, did, why didn't they do more? Um, and a lot of the time it's like, it, it, there's that thing of being a guilty uh, participant, but just by happenstance of being there and by not being informed, not being educated. Um, like, you know, children are in cages in the United States right now and we're doing a podcast talking about Suspiria. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. I was, oh, I was yeah. just talking about that with my mom yesterday, actually. I got really upset because I was like, I'd like, you know, I'm angry because no one's doing anything and you just feel powerless. Like, what? I don't know. What can I do? Fucking call Susan Collins again? 
you know like right you just feel like you're up against this machine <laughs> susan collins sitting in her in her basement with her sunglasses <laughs> Exactly. Like, do I miss her and give her a call? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> bitch, get out of your pool of goo and go do something about this, please. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what I think what Susie ends up, you know, granting to Klemper at the end, I think is, and maybe it's sort of a, a guilty admission, but I think is what a lot of Americans want is like, make it all go away. Just make it all go away. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to fix it. I just want it all to go away. And and it's a real privilege to say that. But I think um, when you feel powerless, like to this extent of like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I could make phone calls all day. Like, is that really is that is that ever going to reach the kids in the cages, you know, mm-hmm. and and to get to that point of of defeat. And I think a lot of people do just kind of like mire themselves in guilt and shame about the world. And uh I guess in that lens, it's like if there was someone to just come along, some witch to come along and just take it all away, is that, I mean, in some ways, like, that's not good. Like, that's not positive. That just kind of, like, makes you complicit in a new way. Mm-hmm. You become, you know? I mean, that's Miss Griffith, right? She just mm-hmm. kind of sits yeah. on the sidelines and cries over all of this, but never opens her fucking mouth. Like, does, doesn't yeah. even want to vote. And then she, when shit gets really real, she kills herself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that it's that not not being willing to confront the cycles. Like this movie is right. very cyclical, and it's about cycles. And um, I mean, we have the cycle of what happens to the women that get absorbed into Marcos, or that Marcos takes over. We have um, we also have this like Susie. I think she says it so greatly when she says, um, "The mess out there, the mess in here, the one that's coming." Like, mm. yeah. Why is everyone so ready to believe that the worst is over? That the worst is over. The Nazis are in the past. They're not coming back. They're not going to be marching on Charleston. You know, like it, Mm -hmm. it, it's something that it's so, and and then this is something that, you know, Germany has handled in a very interesting way is like they, you know, going around Germany, like there are memorials and placards and monuments and things that tell you what happened at this site. And it's sort of a way of keeping themselves accountable. But at the same time, even with that, like people are still so willing to brush it aside and forget where like now Germany, like there's a giant rise of like anti-immigrant um, fury happening in that country. And I mean, it's just like it's happening all over the world right now. Well, it's like it's, yeah. it ties into that line that Sarah has when she and Susie really first meet and they're in Susie's hotel room and she talks about, you know, all the terrorism that's going on. And it's how there was the SS officer who's now like a bank president or something. Oh, and did you notice this? Um, Jason pointed this out to me. The name of the officer that took Anka out into the um, out into uh, Theresien Platz or whatever to die Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember his name, but Susie names him. But that's the of of Klimper's uh, first patient when oh, Patricia weird. shows up. Yeah, they have the same last name. Huh. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, when when that uh, Mrs. I know she pronounces it like Sesame, but I'm calling her Mrs. Miss Sesame. Sesame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Miss yeah, Sesame. Because like with the candlestick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, question on Miss Sesame because I feel like they're. <laughs> There, because why not talk about someone named Miss Sesame? But like, there seems there seems to be something really specific about not showing her face through most of the movie. And then in that final scene, there's like these intentional shots where we do see her face, mm. and it's almost like like that was going to be the Jessica, Jessica Harper cameo, you know, of like 
there was this intentionality about seeing her that I almost thought like was going to tell us something about who she was the whole time. But I don't think that she's anything other than just his like secretary assistant, right? Yeah. Well, it could be. He, I mean, he blows her off there at times when she's like, but I'm making the soup. And then he just <laughs> leaves. He just leaves without mm-hmm. even looking at her. And it's like then when he's absolved of his guilt and he doesn't have to like preoccupy himself with anything else, then she's like full frame and he notices her. Oh, that's a good yeah, point. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, that's that sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm with that one. Yeah. What um what mysteries do you both feel like you still uh, are harboring with this film? Like, what what is still escaping you? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, figuring out Miss Griffith, like for sure. Which we'll never, I mean, I think we've gotten that as good as we're going to get it. Yeah. But just, she's so weird. Um, that bowl cut and those glasses. And, yeah. yeah. God, I love her. <laughs> um, uh, I am still obsessed with, fi- I mean, like, I know there's some obvious clues that are maybe too obvious, but like, when, do, like, I, it's like Susie's transformation. I think she's such an interesting horror movie heroine. Um, because it, like Final Girl, like when you think horror movie heroine, you think Final Girls, right? You probably yeah. think mm-hmm. about me. <laughs> no, but you think of like the, the trope of the Final Girl, who is like a, just a gal whose whose sense of self and power and strength and everything is almost forced upon her by by an outside entity, right? She yeah, she sort of mm. inherits a legacy. Yeah, well, she, like, is reacting to someone killing all of her friends or whatever. You know, her survival mm-hmm. instinct mm. kicks in. Whereas Susie, it's just a journey of self-discovery and all of her power comes from within. And I'm just mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with her journey and, like, figuring out when she knew, what she knew when, when what the real origins are of it. Because there's so many little moments where she has so many strange reactions to things. <laughs> And you're not sure what she's realizing, if she's realizing something. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with those little moments. Yeah, like when she sees them playing with the with the detective's penis and she doesn't say anything to Sarah. And it's like, I expected her to like say something or react in some way, but she she just kind of keeps it to herself, not as a secret, but as a like it's like she's the adult and Sarah's the child and she can handle what she just saw. There was some at that point, I thought, okay, Susie, there's some you know more about what's going on right now than you're letting us even know. You know, she has a she has she she makes her own laws. She she has mm-hmm. very much. She's sort of her own um, judge, jury, and executioner. I mean, in all angles, like she. I was gonna. I was thinking about how she's a thief. Yeah. Um, like mm. she steals the money from the church to fund her her A Star Is Born journey. She <laughs> yeah. She steals my one of my favorite scenes is her stealing that lipstick. And like she's very covert about it. She doesn't have to be. They've already broken into the office for files. The bitch knows how to pick a lock. Like what she knows how, to pick, a yeah. knows how to pick a lock. Mm. Yeah. I love that moment because she's so like Sarah's like struggling with it. And then like, Susie like swoops in and like so capably opens it. And I felt like even then we're being told like this is this is not your 1977 exactly. Susie Banyan. Yeah. You know? yeah. So like I think this Susie definitely comes equipped with like that's like the latent sort of subconscious power of the mother in her um 
but then I'm I'm curious about like the cosmology of like where was before Susie was born, where was Suspiriorum? Because in Luca's whole idea of like when he's talked about the sequels he wants to make and like or he he really wants to do a prequel set in like either the twelve hundred I think in the twelve hundreds where Helena Marcos shows up to a village and cons all of the village women into following her. Um, which I I would love to see, but like if in Luca's head that was going on in the 1200s, I mean, there's like an 800 year gap of, of Helena Marcos claiming to be Suspiriorum and where is Suspiriorum in that time? And where are the other two? (laughs) Where? Well, for Mm. that matter, uh, there's the scene where Tanner and Blanc are sitting on the couch talking about stuff and they're reading the newspaper or whatever. And Blanc says, you didn't tell me she was here talking about marcos where the fuck was marcos if she wasn't at the academy <laughs> like where else does she have to go she was at her oh, chateau she... with oh, mother from okay. daughters of darkness <laughs> yeah. okay. i think she has like a condo in tampa that she goes to in the off season you know? it's a timeshare therefore <laughs> oh god i want it to be a timeshare and she has to go she has to go to the meeting every every time <laughs> She can't send a proxy. Miss <laughs> Tanner Miss can't go for her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um in terms of like mysteries of like what like what I'm still wondering about. I I feel like I keep thinking about at the end of the movie like that shot of Miss Tanner like bloody face just like sitting there kind of in the corner watching like the next day's like dance rehearsal start and she just has this look where I thought Oh, Miss Tanner has a whole story that I want to know. Oh, like yeah. that's I could see a whole offshoot that's just about what her story was and how she how she became Mother Marcos's like right-hand gal, you know? Like what does it take to be that role and to be that close to that like blob every day, you know? Like <laughs> you sign up for misting duties. I mean, <laughs> totally. That's a whole thing. That is a whole Yeah, thing. like you There'd be something inside of you to do that kind of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, and she, she navigates. It's, it's really shocking to me that um, she never, she doesn't suffer any punishment. Like whatever she does to suffer is internalized. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because she, and for some reason, Marcos never kills her or threatens her in any way. I mean, she does good. You know, she takes care of Marcos. She votes for her. She does what's expected, but um, she's also Blanc's best friend and confidant. Yeah. And runs the academy yeah. with her. And what a, a horrible position to be in. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, it, it, speaking of Blanc at the end, because obviously she she doesn't really, I guess she doesn't really die. There's kind of that, it, it's sort of a weird revelation that, oh, they can put her back together again. Yeah. Uh, and so I watching it again in terms of like things, I'm question marks I'm left on is, my takeaway was just like how important Blanc is and how complex she is and how she's not, she's not just a bad witch, you know, and that there's so much, there's obviously, there's just so many nuances about her as a person. And where does she go from here? You know, like, I just feel like there's, if, I mean, I know like Luca, you know, first name basis wants to do a prequel, (laughs) but I feel like the sequel of like, where does Blanc go from here is also a whole story. Because, like, what happens to this dance academy now? She and Mother Superior are going to get married. <laughs> oh, is that <laughs> <Yeah. it? laughs> 
That's beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, I actually, I think that's a that's a great question because going off of that, like, yeah, what does happen in this universe? Like, does the story She's just demoted. end here? She's demoted, yeah. right? Mm. So. But at the same time, like, would I don't see Susie the way Su- Susie is passionate and like she feels she's so full of feeling like she's so sensual um and she is a dancer whereas blanc is a choreographer i mean they both mm. they both could do either job i think but but i don't see Susie choreographing the pieces ever i yeah. think Susie wants to be in them and she wants to be feeling them and she wants to be rolling on the ground and blanc wants to be the one that's sort of uh staging it and crafting it so like do they does she bring her back and then they do become actual an actual working partnership like allegedly what there was between marcos and blanc in the chart of the the instructors like what Hmm. they're lesbians Hmm. who own a dance company i love it (laughs) i love it (laughs) such a happy ending actually the big mystery for me obviously is that post credits stinger Mm, I finally watched that because you guys mentioned that in the, on your Suspiria episode or the other Suspiria episode, and I had not seen it the first time. And it's just that shot of like Susie like at a door. Like it, it's it's not like this is like there's three different you know secret clips at the end. It's just this like quick moment of her in a hallway, right? right? Yeah, there's no. She's outside. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't come and recruit her. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Continue the universe into another yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had, I had wanted to think that that was her healing Blanc because she sort of does the same hand motion that Blanc does to her back when in the mm-hmm. in the fried chicken scene. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's weird because it definitely seems to follow the Klimperer scene. Uh, because she's still wearing that fabulous coat and she's outside. Mm. It's dark. There's like a street lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like, know what she, she's doing. Is she blessing the country house? Like for the lesbians that will one day reside there? Like, what? <laughs> uh, that's, uh, wait, I, I, that's, that's actually not, that might have something to do with the country house since that's like what we see at the end is like that the country house has gone on to be somebody else's home and, um, I don't know that I, that it felt like there was some sense of like that that train that was passing by was brand new and despite the development the country house is still there. Yeah. Um there was some sense that the house was saved. And it and it yeah. seems like it seems like there's women living there. I want to hope they're lesbians and then somebody mm. somebody walks by carrying a co- a textbook that just says the great mother which I thought was right. really cool. So like I'm I'm hopeful that that's like a feminist future where maybe we heed history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a baby in denim and that feels very uh feminist future so. it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like one one step away from the ann gettys uh, floral baby <laughs> totally it's liberating the babies from the flower pots yeah <laughs> give them some denim <laughs> i'm i'm hung up on um and i brought this up with stacy i think one of the last times we talked about it but not on the podcast but the I still can't figure out the alternating between red and blue subtitles that happens. Oh, like the like the lining of the letters. Yeah, well, yeah, they they're it, they're the subtitles are filled with red throughout most of the film, but mm-hmm. there's one sequence earlier, I think about halfway through. I can't remember if it's ta- Tanner or who's talking, but they they go blue, and then later when after Blanc has allegedly died, and we have the the 
person coming in to inform the other students, like they're blue again. And so I was thinking it, at first I thought the subtitles went blue um, to kind of show like a new day has dawned. But then I noticed they had the blue earlier in the film too. And I still. The only time I noticed it this time was when people were talking off screen and it was to differentiate between voices. Oh, without, okay. without putting character names mm-hmm. on it every time. Okay. That's yeah. probably, yeah. That makes sense. I think I was, okay, I'm going to watch that. I, oh, I guess I have to watch it for the ninth time. <laughs> uh, shucks, yeah. <laughs> so, all about the subtitles only. All <laughs> <Yeah. All> right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Man, and then we'll talk about subtitles and Caroline's corncob pipe. Those will be the two topics. Yes. Because <laughs> that's a character choice. She has a pipe? The I don't think I ever noticed the dinner, that. The, yeah. me, the Me Too <gasps> dinner scene. She's fucking smoking oh. a pipe. The Me Too dinner <laughs> Well, and she's also, you know, she's a lesbian with a corncob pipe. Like, right. like, yeah, like many right. of us are. It's so stereotypical, though, isn't it? A yeah, I know. <laughs> She's got her uh, Indigo Girls poster and her corncob pie. Right. I'm just tired of all these cliches in movies about lesbians, you know? I'm surprised Susie didn't say, I want to be the corncob pipe of this company. <laughs> Blanc sheds a single tear. Yeah. yeah, instead of opening up her chest vagina, she just lifts a pipe to her lips. <laughs> Everyone shivers. <laughs> the queen is here. Yeah. Come it's to my pumps. <laughs> See, the sequels in the franchise just write themselves at this they point. They really do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like the whole Chucky franchise could really have a run for its money with all the offshoots. Yes! Seed of Suspiria, yes! Bride of Suspiria. Get Jennifer Tilly in there. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> done. Done and done. So good. Yeah, cut print. Probably no Oscars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nominated. I don't get it. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Man. Wow. Good job, everybody. Good, good job, mm, guys. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That was... That was a journey. Yeah. That was a. I, <laughs> I'm scrubbing the blood all over my apartment for the next six hours. You know. I gotta put my head back together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. Wow. We did it. Suspiria. We did. It won't be the last time, wow. but I feel like I got. It won't be the last. I feel like I got something out of my system, though. You know. Yeah. 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 Some of the swelling has gone down. It's like draining the fluid. Suspiria is just a big boil on my back. (laughs) She's so gross. I love that you can like tell what a good time Tilda Swinton is having with that character. Yeah, that one moment when she nervously like answers, like when when Susie asks her like who she was anointed by, and she's nervously responding, "Mother Suspirium." Yeah. It's like, oh my god, Tilda, you are just living your yeah. moment. This is like an actor's dream right yeah. now. Where she's just like, ee, just like kind of moving her teeth around, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, she's just yeah. having such a good time. I love it. 
God, Helena Marcos is just my my god. I love her. Yeah. It's so weird and unexpected and you know. I mean, yeah. I spent I mean we I talked about this before. I spent so long hoping and dreaming that it would be Jessica Harper as Suspiriorum and that would be the big reveal. Yeah, and, and that's what I was thinking the first time because you kept mentioning that. And so, yeah, yeah, because I was like, Stacy, and then imagine this. <laughs> but, right. but God bless that they, you know, we got Anka as Je- we got Jessica as Anka and got that whole beautiful, emotional, just little moment. And then we get the mm. weirdest job of the hut character over here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if, if Jessica Harper was Mother Marcos, it would have been cool. And then it would have been kind of like, oh, okay, well. There's Jessica Harper in there somewhere, yeah, exactly. and yeah. instead, instead we get her, get to see her in like yeah, this beautiful little character, this little role that just like every moment of it is just like I'm just puddly eyed. Like the moment she steps out of the out of the cottage, yeah. uh, and and I think it's something that obviously wasn't part of the original Suspiria, but I feel like that storyline and that concept um, it feels so indelible to the to the Suspiria you know mythology or the you know the world of Suspiria is to have an Anka Meyer. Yeah. And I mean, the whole movie, you know, it's about the Holocaust and and how we yeah. how we remember it and what we do about it going forward. And um, yeah, that's just I just don't get people that can't see the importance of the Klimper storyline. But I guess I guess mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to be apolitical. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, but for some people it is. Yeah. It's easy to just see this and see a long movie. Um, right. And, but I, I just feel I I. I went I went from feeling enraged to now just feeling sad, I think, for people that that can't see the beautiful political feminist like artistry and and masterpiece that this movie is. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys talked about this on your first Suspiria episode where it's like the people who don't get it, it's like, I don't fucking care. Good. <laughs> yeah. Get lost. I do not want to have to explain this to you or try to help you get it. Like, it's not for you. That's yeah, fine. Right. And that's why CBS has a night of comedy on Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> with your name on it. You know? Go watch A Quiet Place. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch The Conjuring, like James, you know, I mean, I know, I do know some smart horror watchers who just aren't into this movie, and I don't understand it. I just, I I just, Mm. I don't know. I think you have- I mean, art connects with people in different ways. Yeah. I just think this movie, I think it's made for queer people. It's made for artists. uh, It's made for anyone that has any interest in what's happening in the world. Um, if yeah. you fall in the Venn diagram of all those things, I think you're just going to be in the most beautiful uh, goo pool of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Man, can I, I just, I mean, I know I don't have to like bring up like giving a shout out to Jessica Harper, but she didn't even know how to speak German before she was cast in this film. And she speaks yeah. it like and, a boss. Yeah, like it's just un- yeah. and she, she manages. It's emotional. It's just she's amazing. Like she's talk about an unsung actor. Like genre, yeah. genre yeah. fans appreciate her, but she's so fucking good all the time. I still, I still can't think about Anka without crying. Like it, it <laughs> le- left such an impact. And yeah, she walk. She speaks German and walks backwards. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. damn. Like, what does it take, Academy? <laughs> what, what does it, does it take? take? You know? Yeah. Yep. And I, as the president of Dakota Stan, I have to. She has. I mean, I think she's obviously really great in this film. But there's one little moment. I just love little actress moments 
Maybe because I'm actrosexual. I don't know. <laughs> but when she first gets there, when she gets accepted to the Academy and Tanner is very gently explaining that they don't charge anything. Mm. And she just has the moment of like, this is totally free. And she goes from like a smile to cry. Like she puts her head down and kind of cries a little. And it's just like you're watching someone's dream come true. Yeah. And it's just a yeah. beautiful little moment of acting. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Susie before she goes full Mother Suspirorium. I can never get that word. But <laughs> before she goes full witch, uh, that role has the potential to to almost be like the least interesting, you know, because it's like the this kind of constant that's experiencing all of this kind of supernatural, all of these these over the top experiences and all of these colorful characters. But I, you know, I had not really, I think I just kind of decided, oh, Dakota Johnson, she's in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. She's probably Fifty Shades of Grey. And (laughs) I just, like, couldn't believe how many little, like, notes, like the one you're talking about, that she could hit, that it was, like, just in the way, like, she could, she would say a line where she, like, looked down when she said it. She'd be demure for a moment, or she'd be really um, confident in a moment that would sort of surprise you. And those those moments where I didn't expect her to be demure or I didn't expect her to be confident and the way she kept flipping the script in those moments was so exciting. And yet it never got like, she never has like a, like an Oscar moment. She never has like a peak, Mm -hmm. you know, except for when she screams, I know who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just don't know how she did it. I mean, she has to be the ingenue and the diva in this at the same time. And she's doing it and she has to hold her own against three Tilda Swintons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And she does. It's yeah. it's just bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but she comes from blessed stock, true queens. That's true. Yeah. Melanie and Tippy. So Melanie Griffith ever win? Yeah. Did she win for Working Girl? Was she nominated? No, I think she was I think she was maybe nominated. Mm. Oh. There's just another Academy bone for me to pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when she gives that monologue about uh, dumplings. <laughs> My heart breaks just remembering oh, it. I love her. <laughs> I'm sure she got like a Golden Globe nomination for like Crazy in Alabama or something. I think Melanie's, she's gotten some recognition. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, she was Oscar nominated for Working Girl. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then and she won a Golden Globe for Working Girl. Hmm. Oh, hmm. Well, Suspiria did just win the uh, Acting Ensemble Independent Spirit Award. Oh, really? That's great. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So at least it fucking won something. Oh. I'm so glad. Is it is the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Award still happening? <laughs> yeah. Do they have a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Can they get slimed? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Slime Helena Marcos in front of an auditorium full of children. <laughs> Give her her commemorative surfboard and let her go off stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. oh, they better let us write the next one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm exhausted, but we do have a listener question. We do? We do. Believe it or not, hot, if you guys hot, like to God answer damn. One, if you'd like to answer one, no. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> All right. This week's question comes from Terry Lynn, who says, "I loved 
Oh, that's sweet. I loved when you talked about feeling gaslit by the discussions around Halloween H4O because same. What other movies have a strong following that you disagree with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This won't this mm-hmm. won't get contentious. <laughs> well, no one wants to go first. I love it. <laughs> no one wants to have angry letters written to them first. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've well, I could. No, you go ahead. No, you go oh. ahead. You, I do not need to well, be first. I, say, <laughs> I don't want to be last. I've I'll go next. My, I've made my voice <laughs> okay. clear in several episodes about a quiet place, obviously, <laughs> and about <laughs> it. Yeah. And you know, I try to remember the words of the Different Strokes theme song at these times. Say what might be right for you may not be right for some. And I remember that when I'm surrounded by people who are wrong about things all the time. (laughs) These movies. But I think my biggest one, honestly, and this is also something I've addressed on this show, is like basically Mike Flanagan in general. Oh, I know you've talked about (laughs) the personal connection you feel with his films. And like, I understand that. Like, that makes sense to me. But the horror public in general, like, he's so mediocre to me at best. And so I just don't understand why he's being lauded as like a savior of the horror genre when everything he does is just kind of generic and white and milk toast. That's fair. Okay. What has he done? I know that name, but I can't think of what he's done. Hush. Oh. Hush. Uh, oh. Gerald's Game. Gerald, I just watched Gerald's Game, and that was pretty good. It's good. Carla Gugino is some mate, oh. but I mean, it's yeah, her she's, movie. She's terrific. And yeah. the, also, the, the guy who played the, her husband was actually really terrific, too. And the Dolores Claiborne crossover was spectacular. But, um, yeah. but I mean, he's got good that. source material and a really good actress with that. You know what I mean? And so he Mm -hmm. didn't, like, I don't know. I just, his stuff just doesn't, I don't get it when horror fans are like, oh my God, he's so amazing. I'm like, there's moments, but overall, he's just, he just strikes me as generic. I don't know. I think I've only seen Hush of his. And I remember liking it. I mean, not that it was like new territory, but it was kind of just like a solid little like, okay, that yeah that all worked that all stayed in one with place the exception yeah. Of yeah. a lot of the stuff that he did to the haunting of hill house um most of the time oh. his, my reaction to his stuff is like okay i i didn't hate that and everything but then when i mm-hmm. see people losing their minds i just i don't get it i feel gaslit, like the question said did you see his ouija <laughs> sequel no i actually i thought it was so charming I would be interested. To, I would be interested to hear what you think about it once you watch. If you I'm watch into, it, like I've actually never seen any of the Ouija movies, but I love that there's an entire Ouija subgenre. Oh no, yeah. I haven't even seen the first one, and it has Lynn Shea in it. But the second one, they just it's just they made their own movie. Mm-hmm. But it's set in the '60s, and it's cute. And I don't know. See, cute. <laughs> it's cute. You know me, I like mm. cute shit. Yeah. <laughs> would you say would you say uh worse than James Wan or where would you place him in the James Wan spectrum? Um neither appeals to me, but I at least appreciate that Mike Flanagan tries to have a dramatic heart whereas James yeah. Wan is just a series of jump scares. 
Mike Flanagan yeah, or like, seems interested in characters. They just, I just find as horror films, his stuff is really mediocre to me. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I think he's I think he's working towards becoming a a better filmmaker, but I think people have given him the laudings for having some good stuff in his work. Yeah, that's I But he that's hasn't my, really earned it yet. <laughs> that's my biggest argument. Right. And James Wan has done some fine stuff as well, but his stuff I just treat like popcorn, you know. Yeah. In which I avoid it. Oh, right. Which I don't <laughs> I eat popcorn. Eat popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's me. I would say, okay, I have a whole list, but I'll try to narrow it down. Um, obviously, the worst offender is the one that spawned the question itself, Halloween H4O, because it's the worst movie ever made. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I, I will say that I gaslit myself with it because I talked myself into believing I liked the movie the first time I saw it, the remake. <laughs> And then, like, <laughs> literally, like, a week passed, and then I thought about what I had watched and everything that happened to Beverly in it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about, um, I mean, the one thing I never responded to was Pennywise. I fucking hated Yuck, yuck, yuck! Yeah. Hey, Stacey, the most Isley Cantina theme has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Picture him dancing to it, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but that'd be cool. Because it, it's a bop, that's why. Don't don't let George Lucas know. Like, don't. <laughs> um, I'd say it, uh, but then also like going back. I mean, Mandy. I did yeah. not understand why people loved that movie the way that I get. Like, I get it. We like Nicolas Cage. I love him in that movie, but uh, it was just so toxic to me. Um, and then also, I'm, I'm just going to reduce it because I don't need to talk about Hostel. I'm going to say, <laughs> um, and this is this is the contentious one, maybe. Uh, the Shining. I don't like The Shining. So there we go. I love Shelley Duvall in it. I, I think I read the book too young and was really in love with what happened in the book. And then I was really angry with the choices in the movie. And what Stanley Kubrick did to Shelley Duvall in the process that I just hate that movie. So I think that for me, that movie ties in with what we talked about with Alex West, the whole separating the art from the artist, and how she mentioned that Rosemary baby is Rosemary's baby is just such a part of who she is as a horror fan. And I think that's the way I am with the shining because I saw it when I was very young and fell in love with it and loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And didn't know what happened to Shelley Duvall until like, I don't know, like until I watched the the making of documentary that Stanley Kubrick's daughter made. Yeah, I didn't know, yeah. and so it's tainted it. But I still, like, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't tried to watch it in a really long time, and I don't. I don't know how I would react to it. But I've always loved it. I think I was I was young and I was pissed that Holleran died because he doesn't in the book. They go off to and eat oranges on a dock in like Florida at the end of the book, and I thought that was cute and I like cute things. Um, <laughs> and also like Jack Nicholson is crazy from the get go in that, so I didn't yeah. sense I didn't sense any build up or like this story of like a dis, like the descent back into alcoholism and relapse, which the book is all about. Um, I think Jack Nicholson is terrible in it, and I always have. I've yeah. never liked his performance. I like a lot of the moments of it. Versus... I like 
him you know i like the weird rich ghosts and the dog suit and all that but um yeah but otherwise yeah i just never connected with it and then later in life finding out about the shelly duvall stuff that was just the nail in the coffin for it with me so yeah yeah, yeah the shining that yeah. makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah yeah i feel like the shining <clears throat> it's yeah, it's one of those things i think there's a lot of movies like that i feel this way about rosemary's baby where it's like there's like I'm, I'm not pleased with Roman Polanski. That's a very weak way of saying it, but like not a fan. But it doesn't take away like, man, Ruth Gordon is just like knocking it out of the park uh, right now. And like, how yeah. do I, how do I live with both truths? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in terms of controversial opinions, uh, mine, I could not think of anything in the horror genre, but it's still relevant to today's episode. Um. I deeply despise call me by your name oh deeply. me i don't deeply. like it either oh i and i feel oh, so I, ashamed like, as a homo but i just i really same. didn't like I, it <clears throat> i mean i'll say this i think that luca is an incredible filmmaker it is beautifully made it's beautifully acted like aesthetically mm-hmm. it's so well done it's not even his fault because the story is not his but uh I think that it is the most beautiful romantici- romanticizing of uh, sexual predation that I've ever seen. It's oh. just, I, I like, I, and it's like, I'm so, it's one of those things where like, I'm probably almost too staunch about it. We're like, not like oh, I'm going to be a jerk about it right now, where it's like, you know, you make your, your mind up about something and you're like, if you even try to change my mind about that peach scene, I swear <laughs> to God, you know, like, <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will mother suspor- suspirorium all over you. Like I will just, <laughs> your head is going to explode in 2.5. And so I like, and I've tried to see all the sides of it. I've tried to see like why people love that movie and like what they're taking away from it. But I, I mean, uh, the only thing I could say that I could tie back more to like the production of it versus like the story is the casting just feels so I mean, I, I understand that these characters are supposed to be one's like 17 and one's 23, but like, why then does Timothy Chalamet look like he's 12 and a half and just found his first pubic hair? And why does Army <laughs> Hammer look like he's applying for his ARP card? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, why yeah. does the dichotomy have to be so significant? And I guess, like, I've just. I've just come to the conclusion that while I love the father's monologue at the end and I love the face journey at the end and I appreciate the women in the movie and the cinematography and the music and all of that. Um, oh, I hate that movie. I just hate it. So Thank you. That's- <laughs> You're welcome. We're a club of two. <laughs> I know. I, and I know that, yeah, I know it's it's certainly not a popular opinion. And I also recognize like some people, like I'm bringing my own, POV on this that you know my opinion is not the opinion but I also will never change my opinion <laughs> I respect that I respect that yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. <laughs> yeah. yay <laughs> I'm really torn because there's a like if they do a sequel uh, Dakota Johnson's gonna play Army Hammer's wife and so I'm like oh. god fucking oh. damn it don't make me see that movie when I don't oh. want to yeah I can't. Don't pull a Ruth yeah. Gordon. I can't yeah. wait for the franchise. I can't wait for uh, three, two, two call, two name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> call me by your name, three. Here we call again. Like, I, I can't yeah. wait. I'm, uh, sign me up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fine. Uh. <laughs> 
I mean, if there's if there's a sequel where it's like Call Me by Your Name too, and then like he confronts him and it's like, you know what, all that was really fucked up, and then that's the end of the movie. I can support this franchise. Oh, yeah. I just need it to course correct itself. I just need Oliver to be told that he's gross, and then Dakota Fan Dakota Fanning, Jesus, <laughs> Dakota Johnson to have like a big monologue as like the spurned wife, and then I'm back on board. If you know, Dakota Johnson blows up everybody's heads. I'll be fucking so into that. I'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. Can they can yeah. they blow up heads, but then also they cross over? She crosses over with Michelle Williams and Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I could get into that. And then, <laughs> and then it crosses over with the witch, and they go join the book club with Black Phillip and float. That's Fine. what I want. Yeah. And then that joins with the movie book club, and they meet up with Candace Bergen and Jane Fonda and Mary Steenburgen, and they all read Fifty Shades yes! of Grey. Oh my God, yeah. you're blowing my mind. <laughs> you all, we have created the equitable, women-centric, expanded universe we all needed. <laughs> Finally, I guess we're done with this Finally. podcast, like for good. Like, yeah, what else is there? we don't need it anymore. We solved sexism. We solved sexism. Yeah. In, like, 22 episodes. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a new record. It's okay. We didn't start this thing decades ago. But, you know. Oh, yeah. That whole equal rights amendment. We could have helped that. Oh, yeah. well. Oh, what are we yeah. doing? Better late than never, I guess. Well, Colin. Well, oh, this was amazing. Thank you. I'm so honored that you let me be on a Suspiria episode it with you, too, because I'm I know. This, it is, yeah. There's no playing it down. I, I'm gonna have to lay down for like a day after this. I'm really Honestly, your, this, is your so, basement this is so ridiculous. Yes. I want because I watched it last night in preparation for this, and honestly, all this talking about it is like maybe I should go watch it again. Maybe I missed something. I know I have some I have some hours to kill, and I'm like, do I just want to sit down with uh, my best friends in Germany right now? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad you noticed a lot of the details and you were as into it as we are. So, oh, Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and doing oh. this. What a blessing. Thank you. And please, oh. so you do in the details. Yeah, plug it up, Carrie. So, you also, do, you also um, do All Right, Mary, which I just did a live episode with y'all. Yes, which will be out uh, probably will be out in the next week or two after this airs. Uh, that will be out in our, our live episode at the Listen Up Portland Festival, uh, which was amazing. I don't remember it, but it was. I think it was amazing. <laughs> you just um, blacked out and erased it all from your memory. Completely. Oh, I was just horrified the whole time that it was happening. Uh, <laughs> and but it was an amazing experience. But uh, yeah, so I do all right, Mary. I do in the details, which is all just me queening out on. Um, Best supporting actresses and micro moments and acting choices. Uh, and All Right Mary is all drag and RuPaul's Drag Race and all that. So um, I am just all about the, I'm all about the femininity in all of its forms, Yay! essentially. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being one of the good ones, Colin. <laughs> well, you know, I try to do my part, you know. And where, where can people follow you? Oh, oh, of course. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker. Um, and you can find me on YouTube even at Colin Drucker. So like, you know, there's a face to this wow. voice. Get into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Face. I know. I just paid for it. I really just kind of completed all the down payments. <laughs> so 
I'm feeling really good. It was a rent to own oh, situation. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than yeah. just sofas. Uh, it was, uh... <laughs> Spaces also. Pieces as well. Were you, were you previously just Madonna and Dick Tracy, like when when she's the blank? <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a really weird 20s in high school, but you know, you, you just find a series of pillowcases with holes in it and uh, Aww. make it happen. You must have been a hit at summer camp. I was, I was. I was a hit and then, you know, uh, something went wrong in the yeah. week. Yeah. But, uh... Yay, well you can find us, the gay lords of darkness, uh... Here. Here, on the podcast! <laughs> <laughs> solved too god we are good (laughs) but uh you know you can subscribe and like us and uh leave a review we've gotten some uh reviews that are really nice we have gotten some very sweet reviews and it means it means the world to me and me uh, because i only i only have feelings from social media at this point in my life so it means a lot to me (laughs) thanks everybody i really rely on those dopamine hits yeah so <laughs> keep them coming uh we're on facebook at facebook.com slash gaylords of darkness um i guess that's it wow women horror month we women did horror it month is done it's Good. done thank, thank wow. goodness we can get back to talking about important things yeah odd mm. odd like more like women, women in horror, horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which you know i'm gonna say one last little excited plug slash news uh we have some competition um because adrian barbeau is oh, now yeah. doing now doing a new women in horror podcast which yeah. i am so called she kills i don't know when it comes out but i'm so excited i think it comes out in march early march maybe march 1st i think it's a limited podcast i don't think it's an ongoing thing I could be wrong. I think it's limited, well, but she's just going to have guests, and they're going to be talking about women in horror, and Jennifer Tilly's going to be on. Shut up! Are you serious? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing, so check that out, too. It's Shudder. It's going to be on Shudder. So. Yeah, it's Shudder's podcast that they're yeah. doing. Yeah. So cool. So cool. So yay. I'm glad that Adrian Barbeau is taking it over. So now we don't ever have to talk about women ever again. God, what a drag, man. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We can just talk about 2003 to 2013 for the rest of our oh, podcast. Oh my gosh. I mean, I we could talk about the thing. Yeah. I like the thing a lot. That's classic. Yeah, I like Kurt yeah. Russell's beard in that. I like his sideways cowboy hat because I don't understand it. Oh, it is sideways. <laughs> yeah. I've never watched the thing because there's no women in it, so Actually. I never watched it. <laughs> well, Uh-oh. it doesn't really count, but the dog. Uh, the no the the voice of the chess program is a woman, and it's actually Adrian Barbeau. Oh shit! Oh. Yeah, but that's that's the only oh. female presence. Yeah, it's yeah. Slim pickings, really but I'll good, take it. Though. I mean, it's a okay. Really I like I like to imagine an alternate universe, and I only do this by association with Kurt Russell. But an alternate universe where Goldie Hawn is the thing, <laughs> as well as all of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I can't argue with that. Yeah, I, Thank I, you. I have no comeback for that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, someone shut me up. I said it!
You don't care who you offend. <laughs> wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.